If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle! And he's going to be brought down inside the 15, and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30! He's going to go! 10-5! Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor! From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet, proud sportsbook partner of your Indianapolis Colts. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet, and you can bet we got a great show today because they're always sweeter when you win. And speaking of sweet, we bring in Miss Lara Overton, the captain of this ship. Merry Christmas, a couple days after. How are you, Miss Lo? I'm like a Sour Patch Kid, you know? First they're sour, then they're sweet. That's normally what you're getting with me because it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be fitting if I were all sweet all the time. But no, Christmas was wonderful, very low key, and got to finish it off with our radio crew. Called a fantastic game with May. Tay and Rick, and it's it's been wonderful. We know you're sweet, but a few of us do know the sour side of yeah. you, but we love that you're here. J.J. Stankovitz, Colts.com senior writer. J.J., how was Christmas? You had the kids, everything. I know you weren't out in Arizona uh, to cover that one, but you had a good seat for that one due to COVID protocol. Yeah, had a good Christmas. The kids got way too many gifts, and uh, Santa was pretty generous to them, so now we have to figure out places to put them, don't we? <laughs> good. Success. Yeah, I think we're going to have to start getting rid of some things to make some room. Maybe some of their birthday gifts they got a couple weeks ago are going to have to go away to create some space. Okay. Okay. Hey, listen, uh, also joining us right now, which I'm all excited to talk about Christmas, we got a big ball game to talk about coming up. We have a huge ball game uh, to talk about that happened on Christmas Day, but let's let's bring him in. He's part of this Colts radio team. His name is Joe Wrights. He used to play the game for a living. Joe, I know you're excited real quick. I know you got about 14 or 15 little ones at the house. How was Christmas? Oh, it was crazy in an awesome way. I mean, we had kids up at 133, 4, wanting to go downstairs. We thankfully kind of held everybody off till like 6:30. i felt like a old old lineman trying to keep pass rushers away from the quarterback trying to keep kids from three <laughs> different rooms from going down the steps till at least about 6 6 30 but christmas was awesome i mean we were wiped out but i tell you what when that colts game started and when we started rolling that got me all fired up and i was so hyped after when i couldn't fall asleep till like 2 a.m so i paid for it the next day yeah but what a what a, a cherry on top to a wonderful Christmas holiday for Colts fans everywhere. I can't wait to get this conversation started because I want to talk to you about being an offensive lineman in the NFL and what that meant for this group, this group against the Cardinals that had, you know, arguably the top five player in the league in Quentin Nelson down, as well as others, and to come out and put together over 100 yards rushing on the ground for guys that don't see a lot of action on the field. How excited and pumped is the offensive line group uh, this week, especially doing what they did against the Cardinals? Oh, it's absolutely huge. And you mentioned it, Gorman. The word is group. And what that showed me is that this O-line extends beyond the five starters. And guys, six, seven, eight, nine, Pinter, Chris Reed, you know, Pryor, how well they did. That's the expectation. The standard is the standard. It doesn't matter who's there. And I know one thing Chris Ballard's always been big on, offensive line depth. You're only as good as your seventh, eighth, ninth offensive lineman. That bared out and came true in spades last Saturday. And the other thing I loved is Wentz. Wentz looked very comfortable back in the pocket behind all of those, quote, backups. And that told me that Wentz views those guys as starters, right? It doesn't matter if Nelson's there or Kelly and Glowinski. You hope they're there. You hope that they're back this week. But he expects those guys to play at a high level. 
another shout out Danny Pinter on the road loud environment boy Pinter's impressed me too so the Colts line depth is huge to have down the stretch with COVID injuries etc what could happen in the playoffs Joe we were sitting there calling the game on radio and we were like scratching out going through the depth chart you know looking at the flip card and it was at one point Carter O'Donnell I think was the lone guy who was available to go into the game once Pinter went down and Fisher went down and then you know your almost bonus O-lineman and Jack Doyle going out as well and I kind of joked with Coach Reich this week I said at one point I was starting to wonder if maybe Grover Stewart could go old school and play play on both sides of the line and he said he said he almost kind of thought the same thing where it was like can Mo line up at tackle you know jokingly so uh-huh. I was texting a friend of ours and he said I got ready to text old Joey Ballgame to see if he still could have stepped in <laughs> gotten in there and, and played in for the Colts one more time I, I did get a few texts Christmas night from some old friends asking if I had any eligibility left I told <laughs> him I could give you a half but I couldn't do a full game but you're right I've been in those games when you know I've been talking to Jack Doyle on the sidelines and He's the next man up if somebody else goes down and we're like, Jack, nope. I mean, if we can walk, we're going to play. But, hey, here's how you got to take a pass that if so. Uh, but those guys did phenomenal. Glad to see uh, most of them are hopefully going to get back this week. We'll see with the COVID protocols. Eric Fisher, somebody to keep an eye on. I know Frank said he's day-to-day. But Jack Doyle somebody I want to talk about because if Jack's not there, Jack is the best in the business as a blocking tight end. And he is so – important to the Colts running scheme with all the stuff he can do wham on a three technique going back across the formation to cut the defensive end that first Jonathan Taylor run that was half O-line half Jack Doyle he did such a great job wiping out the backside Taylor had that big cutback lane in there so he's somebody I'm keeping an eye on this week if he can go against Oakland because if not I do think that changes some of your running game schemes That'll be something for Colts fans to watch out for this Sunday. Yeah, Joe, you know, after the game, Frank Reich said that losing Jack Doyle to that ankle and knee injury, that had as big of an impact as anything on what the Colts are able to do in the run game. But losing so many guys, you know, whether it was right before kickoff or during the game or, or you know, a couple days before the game, how does the, the way the Colts won that game with so many next men up stepping up in big spots, how does that impact what this team's belief is going forward this season and what they believe they'll be able to accomplish. It it just puts such a belief in the team and the belief from one to 53 on the roster. And we were talking on the Monday night show, was this Chris Ballard's signature win, you know, as the Colts GM with the roster and what he put together. And, and I said, I really think that it is. Now you hope that you're going to have more signature wins into January in the playoffs, winning divisions, et cetera. But credit to Chris, Credit to Frank and his leadership about just being so even-keeled and never wavering, and credit to all those players because the leadership in that locker room says, again, the standard's the standard. It doesn't matter who you are. You're expected to go out there and play like a starter. So many guys did across the board. I mean, Joe, Joe, George Odom comes to mind, EJ Speed. You had a lot of guys that played like legit starters, and I think that's really important for this Colts team because they'll be able – to channel that if you get in late January and you get a COVID issue or something pops up right before the game you've got those guys that have played played at a high level won a really hard road game against a team that was the number one team in the NFL no more than a couple weeks ago I just think that does wonders for this Colts organization in that field and really galvanizes the locker room from an emotional level brings me back to 
Houston Texans Thursday night game. We had a bunch of guys out. Andrew didn't play. Hasselback was on his deathbed. He almost didn't play. We found a way to gut out a gritty win on the road. And those type of wins build that team camaraderie and give you that little something something special that you need to go on a deep playoff run, if that makes sense. That's when uh, Hasselbeck ate that bad burrito, I think. I think that was Burrito Gate. It, that was. He, he, he says he'll never go back to a Chipotle as long as he lives. That's but, it. Uh, yeah, that, that was jo- Josh Johnson. We signed him on Monday. Sure. Funny, he started for the Ravens last week. His locker was next to mine. I mean, we all thought he was going to play Thursday morning when we woke up. Right, for sure. Hey, speaking of quarterback play, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And Lara and JJ, I want to open this up with Joe Wrights. Uh, Carson Wentz, we don't know. We don't know as if as of this recording if he is going to see the field uh, come Sunday uh, against the Raiders due to the fact that he has tested positive for COVID. And I just kind of wanted to open that up and get your guys' thoughts on this. Is it a Sam Ellinger week? What are we looking like as far as the rookie coming in there? Lara, I want to start with you with the latest with Carson. Well, what we know as of Wednesday around 11.15 when Frank Reich addressed the media is there is a possibility, but they really won't know if Carson will be available until this weekend. So that will give Sam Ellinger this, this entire week to operate as quarterback one. They have all meetings operating virtually, so players are really only coming in for practices and then getting back out, doing any necessary treatment, but they're all kind of urged to be away from the facility and trying to just go home, almost replicating each individual in a bubble as much as they can, aside from the essential practice time. So, Joe, for Sam Ellinger, with the possibility to make his first career start, how beneficial is it? I mean, of course, it's not an ideal scenario when you don't have Carson Wentz this week, but how how beneficial is it, all things considered, for Sam Ellinger that he does get this entire week and it's not a, oh, Carson test positive on a Saturday and you're suiting on suiting up on Sunday? Yeah, that's very important. From the physical aspect, it's important to get the reps, get the familiarity, get the timing down with the offensive line. But mentally, you know going in on Tuesday or Wednesday, you're the starter and you're preparing like that. That's a lot different then you go in and all of a sudden Saturday morning you're the starter. And so I think that's advantageous to Ellinger. Another thing that's advantageous is let's not forget that Wentz was out for an extended period of time in camp. And Ellinger got a ton of reps with the ones, especially the back half of the camp. He can now go back and leverage that. Some of the familiarity he had with the receivers and throwing to guys like Pittman and T.Y. So I think a combination of those two things. And then the third wild card is just Sam. I mean, his leadership, um, his presence his moxie, whatever you want to call it, you combine those three things, he'll be ready to go Sunday at 1 o'clock. Now, we'll see if Wentz comes back and plays, and you know I know he'll play if, if he can come off the list by Sunday, but I'm very confident in Ellinger. I'm confident in what he can do, and a big reason why I'm so confident is number 28, too. He don't have to do a whole lot, and Frank is not going to ask him to have to do anything special, right? If he's starting, you're hopeful that he has a game where maybe you know he's, he's 12 of 15 throwing the ball. He can beat you with his legs. I guarantee they'll have some different RPOs and maybe some design quarterback runs you might not have with Carson. So on the flip side, if you're open for pairing, kind of a tough spot to be in. What do we expect from them? What quarterback's going to go? Do we got to prepare for some more QB runs and some different packages? So I think the Colts can work this to their advantage, however it shakes out Sunday. Joe, I want to flip it on you and, and ask you about the mentality of the team if Carson Wentz does play, because he won't have any practice time during the week, and something Frank Reich talked about was that this could be a little bit similar to week three against the Tennessee Titans when Carson didn't practice uh, with those two sprained ankles, and the Colts didn't really even know if he was going to be able to play until a couple of hours before kickoff. 
So how will the lack of practice time and, you know, that that level of preparation, how could that impact what the Colts offense is able to do against the Raiders and what the mentality of this team will be if they wake up Sunday and learn that, hey, Carson Wentz is able to go and he is able to be the starting quarterback against the Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, I think, one, the fact that, you know, it sounds like their meetings are going to be mostly virtual, that helps because he'll be able to participate in everything. And then, two, I think it's completely different from week three for two reasons. One, week three, I mean, that was like Wentz's third, fourth week with the team when you take into account his injuries during training camp. And the other part was physically he was so limited that game, that really affected him. Where now you're so late into the season, he's got the familiar with everybody, he's in a good spot physically, so I don't really have any pause if, all of a sudden it's Sunday at 11 o'clock and he can play and go. I think that, again, the team will mentally prepare for both situations. But, you know, if it is Ellinger, I'm excited for him. I mean, it's a chance, you know, for a kid to go out there and make a name for himself and really prove to this team and this franchise that he belongs in the NFL. And, again, if you're going to have somebody that gets thrust into a situation, you want to have somebody that's got very high football character, great leadership, moxie, and I know that this guy has it. That's Joe Wright, part of the Colts radio team, and we are talking about this Colts team right now. I want to get fired up a little bit here, Larry. I'm going to open it up in a minute because Joe Wright, who does our pregame show, I mean, he gets fired up, kind of like he's getting ready for pregame as a player. He gets fired up, and the things that come out of his mouth in touchdown town some Sundays is unbelievable. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Right now. Come with, on, let's go. Here it is. With COVID hitting the way that it is around the NFL and the Colts star players on the COVID list, they're going to be healthy coming back when, it talk, when you're talking about Jacksonville and in the playoffs, knock on wood. Joe, I'm just going to get it. The, the party started. Why is this football team, led by Carson Wentz, let's not, not forget about the, show, the throw last week to Desmond Patman, incredible. If that was Patrick Mahomes, they'd have it on a loop for everybody to watch over and over and over again. With a hot quarterback like this, a running game and a defense, how excited are you for this playoff run? I know we got to get there first, but really, does this Colts team have what it takes to win the AFC? Absolutely. Right now in my power rankings, i got the Chiefs one. I got the Colts two and the Bills three, and I base it off which team do I think, based on what they've shown, has the best chance to make it to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are only number one because it looks like they're going to have home field. But the reasons are, one, your running game and running back is the best in the NFL. Two, your defense is continuing to play better as the season goes on. And they're the best in the NFL at turning the ball over, which is the number one statistic for determining how well you're going to win turnover margin. And then three – something nobody's talking about is our special teams. Our special teams unit is the best in the NFL. Game-changing plays like we've seen, block punts, you know, that against New England. So you throw all that in there, and then you combine the quarterback. And Carson Wentz is one of two quarterbacks in the NFL that's got more than 25 TDs and six or fewer picks. The other is Aaron Rodgers, where everything's going to win the MVP. The other thing about Wentz, the average Colts fan doesn't realize, he's sixth in the NFL in total QBR, the formula that you know spits out all the inputs and what quarterback is the best. He's third since week four. You take away those first three games, which was kind of his training camp because he missed it, and that game three against Tennessee, which is an aberration because he's injured, he's third in the NFL, and he's played at such a high level. And the last thing about Wentz, in my opinion, he had his signature moment Saturday night. The Colts need a win. They're on the road. He didn't play great to start the second half. But he comes back with that drive in the fourth quarter and that play rolling out to his left to Patman. I mean, there's, there's a handful of guys that can make that throw in the NFL, and he's one of them. And to me, the fact that they won that game like they did 
that's got to give him supreme confidence, and that's got to give this team supreme confidence heading into January. So I can't wait. The Colts have been a good road team all year. Obviously, the one negative is you're probably going to have to win three games on the road to get to the Super Bowl. But I got faith in the shoe for sure, and I cannot wait. I texted you, Gorman. You remember, after the Pats game, I said, welcome to the playoffs. And you gave me the old coach speak, hey, it's just one. We got three more. But in my mind, once we did that, I knew we were going to be in the dance, and I can't wait to see what we do in He January. sure did. He sure did. Hey, Joe, I'm curious about something here. <laughs> well, okay, what what is it, Lara? What do you got? All right, all right. Joe, you were always a pro it, with the media during your playing tenure. Of course, I was covering the team, and I remember you, know, you were always very gracious. Was there ever, and I have a point to this, but... Anything like a media faux pas, um, I am. Something like a talk about or a way that that particular media members would like pose questions that really irritated you. Something as an athlete that you really hate when the media reporters will, will pose particular questions or frame them in a certain way. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the talk about because it's not a question. You know, hey, talk about X. That basically says, hey. I'm writing a story. I need to get a quote from you to fit the narrative in my own story. So I necessarily wasn't a big talk about fan, but I think what, what's nice for me, you know, I was always, I'd say the most boring person in the media. My goal was to talk for a minute and give a great candid answer, but never reveal anything. I was always <laughs> so scared. I was going to let some sort of small trade secret out and coach was going to get mad. I'm going to get pulled into the head coach's office. So I tried to stay as little as possible. So it's a little bit nice being on the other side now, because I feel like I can speak a little more candidly and openly, kind of like as a fan. You know, as a player, if you're asking me, I'd say, well, it's the next game. All that matters is Oakland at 1 o'clock. But now as the fan, I'm like, look, I know we're playing Oakland. I know we're playing Jacksonville. But let's face the facts. We're going to be in the playoffs, and we're going to get a good seed. Who do we want to play? And, and you start thinking about some of those things two, three weeks down the road. The reason I say that is because J.J. led his question to you with, I'm curious, and I pointed out, because this came up earlier today in our media availability, which is now all on Zoom (laughs) because everyone's out of the building and no one can be in and all of that, but I said reporters leading with, you know, insert player where it's, you know, hey, Joe writes, I'm curious, then proceeds to ask a question. Isn't curiosity just a given, hence why you're asking a question? So the preface is completely unnecessary. Necessary. So therefore, well, I'm and, on my pulpit. All right. Important context. I asked Xavier Rhodes something where I said I was curious about Rakyasin, which prompted this this diatribe. I'm yeah. losing I mean, it. Any, I, I'm, I'm with I'm with I'm with Lara. I'm with Lara on this one, JJ. Anytime you ask a question, it's in curiosity. You have the question mark right. for a reason. So I, I think that, that that's totally unnecessary from you and. That's why Lara is the true pro pro, and you know, you're just trying to get up to her level. One of our one of our colleagues hey. also brought up, which I thought was well was well um, pointed out. Said, "How about the leading with many are saying? In reality, you're saying it. You know, many are saying <laughs> yeah. that this team has struggled against X. Yes, yes. So that's another just yeah. egregious media error. At, qu- uh, at Twitter. Here, here, Listen, here, it's at JJ Stankovitz at Twitter. I want to get that out there right now because he's getting hated on from a 300-pound angry guy, and you don't want Lara Overton on your bad side. So I'm coming to his defense. He's great at what he does. Colts.com senior writer at JJ Stankovitz on Twitter. Look, look, I appreciate that. I'm not also not questioning Joe and Lara. They're right. I mean, like, the, the, the premise of a question is curiosity. So, of course... 
it's stupid to be like, I'm curious. So I like I don't ask a question I don't know the answer to unless it's like, should I go change the the kid's poopy diaper? Yeah, exactly. That's the answer. It's me. I'm going to change the kid's poopy diaper. I know the answer. Always you. Here's <laughs> what I'll say. Just don't ask a player, JJ, after a loss, what their New Year's resolution is. Yes! Right? We can stay away yes! from that. We will all be in good shape. Yep, that's true. We saw that with Bill Belichick earlier. Bill Belichick. <laughs> but he was nice when he said, hey, maybe next week I'll have something for you. Not, uh, not Joe, right Joe, that got brought up in <laughs> among our group texts that was going when I pointed out the I'm curious thing. And someone asked about that, and I said, no, 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 don't ruin it. That was going to be my question to Quentin Nelson now that he's activated off. But first question is going to be – I'm totally teasing, totally joking, but I could only imagine the death stare that I would get from Quentin oh. Nelson. It almost makes it worth and it. And Quentin Nelson, he is back, among others. We're going to look for as the week goes on who is available for this Colts team. All eyes are on Carson Wentz in the quarterback position, obviously. Don't forget to catch him pregame shows and live from Touchdown Town on home games and also – Monday Night Roundtable. It's part of the Colts Radio Network. He is our man, Joe Wright. Hey, we appreciate the time. We're going to uh, break down a little bit of the Vegas uh, uh, the Vegas situation going on right now. They're in a playoff hunt out there. Aaron Coscarelli is going to join us from Raider Nation coming up in a little bit. But Joe, just give us your, your quick uh, last thoughts on this game upcoming Sunday, Lucas Oil Stadium. Clinch uh, with a win, win in a clinch. What do you think? Does it happen this week for the Colts? I definitely think it does, Gorman, and I think the reason is, is you know, obviously Vegas is going to be desperate, but in my opinion, they haven't been the same team since Gruden left. Their offense has definitely taken a step back, and, you know, they're really not scoring a ton of points. So bottom line for the Colts, you put up high 20s into 30 like you're doing, you should be in good shape. And, and the, the real stat for me is Oakland is last in the NFL in red zone t- TD percentage. They're giving up 79% TDs in the red zone. So bottom line, Colts, you're going to have those red zone opportunities score touchdowns, get the win, feel great, officially clinch yourself in the playoffs, and then it'll be a nice uh, warm trip that'll be welcomed by everybody down to Jacksonville next week. Absolutely. All right, that's Joe Wrights right there. Hey, where can we follow you on Twitter? Joe Wright 76. Joe Wright Oh, they're real easy. The number that he wore. Joe Wright 76 on Twitter. Big man, I appreciate the help. Hey, we'll see you Sunday morning. It'll be about 25 degrees. I'll be in a T-shirt, be ready to go, get myself ready for some playoff weather football. A big thanks to Joe Wrights. And again, don't forget, pregame and on Monday night's Colts Roundtable, catch the big man. He's the best in the business. Uh, Before we get to Aaron Coscarelli, uh, guys, we lost a, a legend in the NFL, and we are going to catch up with Aaron on that and how Raider Nation is uh, is taking the passing of the great John Madden recently. And uh, we're, we're going to get into that in a minute. But, uh, folks, we lost another key member of uh, NFL media. And, J.J., I want you to take a minute and talk about Jeff Dickerson uh, from Chicago, who uh, who tragically lost his wife a few years ago and... Uh, and and just recently uh, lost his battle with cancer. JJ? Yeah, thanks, Jeffrey. Um, you know, as, as our listeners know, um, I worked in Chicago for 10 years before coming here to Indy. And in that time, I, I became really good friends with Jeff Dickerson. Um, we kind of sat near each other in the Hellas Hall media room. He was the, uh, yeah, I guess, the social chair of the Chicago Bears beat. We would always go out on the road, get really nice dinners. He always insisted on buying a bottle of wine for the table, and you could not try to expense it. Um, it's it's just, I, I can't even find the words, because um, I went to 
his wife's funeral in 2019 when she lost her battle with melanoma. She'd been battling it for eight years. And now JD, less than three years later, lost his battle with cancer. Uh, he, he succumbed to colon cancer this week. And his 11-year-old son, Parker, has gone through things that no person, no child should ever go through. And I just wanted to take some time to to mention to anyone listening to this, if you you have anything in your heart to you know potentially give uh, to Parker, there is a GoFundMe set up for him uh, right now. This is incredible, guys. Three hundred and fourteen thousand wow. dollars have been raised for Parker. Um, you know, we we've seen everyone. Uh, did the NFL community come around and uh, support this? Um, no amount of money will bring Parker's parents back, but mm-hmm. hopefully this is a, a reminder to him of how much his parents were loved, how much of an impact Jeff Dickerson had on everyone he met. Um, you know, and, and just as a quick little personal story for me, when I got laid off by NBC uh, earlier this year in January, JD was one of the first people to call me, and he had a list of people I needed to talk to. He's like, you got to talk to this person and this person. Tell them I'm telling you. You know, hey, let's have a chat. So one of those people is Jim Phillips, who is the former athletic director of Northwestern. He's now the commissioner of the ACC. And in the last week that Jim Phillips was Northwestern's AD as he's working on, you know, closing up there, he took my call because, well, you know, a friend of Jeff Dickerson's is a friend of mine. And in that conversation, he talked to me a lot about the the pros of working for a team or university. And that conversation really resonated with me as the opportunity to come work for the Colts opened up. And I, I looked back on this last night. The, the first person I texted after I you know, obviously told my wife, hey, took the job, was Jeff Dickerson, thanking him for setting me up with Jim Phillips and for helping guide me to this new opportunity. And it's, it's absolutely tragic. Um, you know, his memory will live on forever in anyone that knew him. But I just wanted to say a little bit about For him sure. because, you know, we I'm sure people who follow the Colts have seen Adam Schefter tweeting about him or Ian Rappaport. Um, he may not have known who he is, but he was a great man. He was a warm person, welcoming, kind, always had a smile on his face, always had a positive attitude and someone who will be greatly, greatly missed. A very res- well-respected colleague, obviously, for what he's done so well, and a family man at that, and uh, our Colts Nation, our, our hearts uh, break for the Dickersons and son Parker, and uh, we wish their family all the best. Our prayers, our thoughts are with them right now, and, and, and a job well done on that, J.J. I know that uh, that, that man was special to you. Yeah, he's, he was a good man, and... Yeah, just thanks for giving me a bit of a platform to talk about him. Absolutely. Jeff Dickerson, rest in peace. Gone, but not forgotten. Thank you again, JJ. Very heartfelt tribute to the great Jeff Dickerson. We bring in Erin Coscarelli from Raider Nation. You've seen her all over TV her whole career. She is a talented lady. She is a TV host for the Raiders right now. And I, I want to kind of stay with there, if I could, Aaron. Uh, the passing of, of Jeff Dickerson we just spoke of, and also a legendary NFL figure in John Madden passing. I just want to Offer our condolences to you and Raider Nation and find out how you guys are holding up after watching one of the biggest endorsers of the Oakland Raiders uh, for years uh, pass and gone to the next side. Oh, guys, first of all, thank you so much for having me and thank you for bringing up the legend that really was the king of football. I mean, you know, he was a legend on the football field, 
but he was also a Hall of Famer in the broadcast booth, a Hall of Famer uh, really with even <laughs> his football, you know, there's a football game that's become so legendary. Everything that I feel like John Madden has been a part of and obviously defined Raider Nation, it's just truly an honor to even be a part of the same, you know, legendary franchise as him and that you guys are even taking the time to ask how Raider Nation feels about it because, you know, of course, we're all very sad um, with his passing, but I think none other than a great time in the present to discuss all the things that he's really done for the, for the game, for the sport. I mean, even Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, said that he was like Elvis Presley of football. He really was the king. I mean, you think of everything he's been a part of. Turducken became a, a household name <laughs> sure did. because that was something that he ate during the Thanksgiving broadcast. And, it's you know, he pioneered the Telestrator. There's so much that John Madden is synonymous with what we see on, on the broadcast uh, with NFL today. And, um, you know, he certainly will be missed um, at 85 years old. He really was such the Hall of Famer and the legend um, that he was. So, we're all going to miss him and uh, and hopefully continue to carry on his legacy. For sure. Monumental NFL figure, John Madden, uh, gone but not forgotten. Aaron, uh, this football team that you cover, I want to start with this. Obviously, with what happened with John Gruden's uh, firing, if you will, uh, a terrible off-the-field incident with Henry Ruggs. How has this team been able to hold it together and also be right in the mix for a playoff berth? I mean, it's amazing what this team has been through in terms of adversity. And I feel like Derek Carr definitely doesn't get enough credit for each and every week bringing uh, what he brings to this team in terms of leadership. I mean, each and every one of these men that are part of Raider Nation wear the the Raiders uh, jersey have brought so much to the team um, and you have leaders like Darren Waller. You've got, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro, Alec Ingold, who's injured. Um, the team has been through so much adversity. Like you said, you know, a coaching change midseason. You don't really do a coaching change unless it's a losing team. And like you mentioned, we're in the thick of it with the playoff hunt. And I'm pretty sure Raiders hold the destiny if they can win the next two, um, next two games. They, they're in the playoff. The postseason. So I feel like um, adversity, we've talked about it a lot on my postgame show. Adversity has been uh, the theme of the season. And, and just look at how our team has responded to adversity. We've been down um, so often in the half and have had to come back. Um, Josh Jacobs rushed uh, for 104 yards after he fumbled. And, I, you know, in the conversation that he has had to have with the team, you know, they were talking about maybe benching him. And he said, no, guys, give me the ball. I need to get into the rhythm. And, of course, had his first 100-yard game of the season, his career high, uh, 129 rushing yards. I mean, that, to me, really speaks to the team with adversity and how they've managed to overcome because it is a next-man-up mentality. And you're seeing it on the football field. It, It really is quite amazing what the Raiders have been able to accomplish this season with everything they've been through. 
Aaron, Coach Reich earlier today mentioned that, you know, this is a Raiders team that's already highly motivated, and now they have that John Madden mm-hmm. juju working, you know, in their favor as well. <laughs> certainly a lot to play for, highly motivated and honoring certainly his legacy. And this has become almost like a divisional matchup because it's four straight years that the Raiders and the Colts have gone head-to-head, whether whether it was in Oakland, whether it was in Vegas, or right here in Indianapolis. And every single season, the Colts know they're going to get the best from the Raiders. For the Colts, it's win and you're in. The Raiders are fighting for the wild card. How motivated is this team? Oh my gosh. This team is beyond motivated. And like you said now, even more so with the passing of John Madden. And and I, I think that's a great point to bring up because, you know, they've been through so much. And you look at what they were able to do, really, really good defense. Uh, just last week against the Broncos. And you look at what we were able to do in terms of our run game. You know, our run defense has been a a problem, I would say, for the Raiders, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, all season long, give or take. And they held a very good run game in the Broncos to just 18 rushing yards. So, you know, look, we know what we're up against in Indy, whether we, you know, who's going to be on the football field. And that's the other thing that's really strange. And we were talking about that pre-call, like who's going to be playing. We don't know. Everything's up in the air, but it really feels like that's been the theme of the season for the Raiders is like I mentioned, a next man up mentality. Um, And at the end of the day, they just got to play football. So they are highly motivated. They feel the same way. They, this is right now. It is playoff football for the Raiders. They need to win uh, to be able to get a wild card spot. And so, yes, they're, they are beyond motivated, I would say. Aaron, I, I want to ask you about Derek Carr because he's had, you know, a, a really good season just from what I've seen of him and averaging, what, 290 yards per game, career high. Where has he taken a, a step in his game this year? And, and how confident are the Raiders in his ability to lead them to the playoffs in these last couple of games? Well, just look at the, what's on paper, right? You mentioned it earlier. You introduced me. We lost Henry Ruggs. That was his deep threat. We were really airing it out early in the season, and you lose your number one vertical guy, um, and you're kind of having to figure things out. Now you now we don't have Darren Waller on the field. I don't know if he's going to be playing um, this week, but then you need Foster Moreau to step up. You need Deshaun Jackson to fill in. I mean, it's not easy to build chemistry like that, um, and you've seen Derek Carr have to step up. And, you know, look, this, this past game, and he mentioned it in our postgame presser, uh, he, only pa- he only threw for 201 yards a touchdown, and he was 20 of 25. What I will say is what's nice for us is we're getting the run game going at the right time because I have Marcel Reese on my postgame show, and, and it's funny because him and Eric Allen always go after it and say, you know, Marcel is confident this is a run-first team. Eric believes we are a, a pass-first team. But regardless, what Derek Carr said in his post game was, we can win in different ways. And in December, heading into January, that's exactly what you want to scare a team like the Colts, who I believe are really, truly one of the hottest teams right now. They're the, one of the scariest teams. We don't want to be facing the Colts right now. Um, but we're able to show that we can handle – different ways of winning, and I think that that makes Raider Nation feel really good heading up to this 
this week's matchup. Well, Aaron, the Raiders are in a bit of a similar situation to the Indianapolis Colts, dealing with COVID outbreaks among key players. And the latest update that we saw from the Raiders early earlier in the week, or at least the latest that I have seen, six members of the Raiders were added to the COVID-19 list. And it really decimated the defense in particular. So far from what we know, what's the likelihood of getting guys back or who are the key guys that you're watching? Because this latest uh, release that I saw, a lot of corners, a lot of linebackers, and that's a big problem when you're going up against a Jonathan Taylor, you know, led offense. Yes, and I have to apologize. Um, I have about three dogs in my house all at one time. They decide to bark when I'm in the middle of an interview. So I apologize. Um, I have way too many animals in my house. So uh, do do not mind. Never too many um, dogs. The mailman, they, they literally obliterate whenever he comes. Um, yes, I agree. Like, who's going to be on the field come this week? You know, that's what's been really crazy is, you, we were all pretty confident Carson Wentz wasn't going to be playing, but now obviously the NFL changed the rules per CDC guidelines and are allowing them to come back sooner, um, vaccinated or vaccinated. So, you know, I just, yes, this is not the week you want to have, like you mentioned, a banged up secondary, uh, a struggling front seven in terms of like who we're going to be able to play, who's going to be available. But, you know, that's been what Raiders have had to go through. And, in fact, they've done that last year when our whole mm-hmm. offensive line was unavailable and we were up against the, the Buccaneers. You know, we just – I think at this point you just have to be willing to – you know, we have one of the offensive line coaches and Tom Cable. And I think you just have to really hone in on making sure everybody is prepared, regardless of who may or may not be available. So not, not knowing who's going to play on defense, but knowing who the defensive coordinator is, obviously, and Gus Bradley, I'm, I'm trying to get a handle on this defense because one of the first things I look for when I look at a defense is yards per play. All right, the Raiders are ninth in yards per play allowed. That's pretty good. But they're bottom 10 in points allowed. Is that a product of like just the Kansas City Chiefs being a bad matchup for this defense? Or there, why, why is there that discrepancy in those two stats? It's a good question. I mean, I would say Gus Bradley is the type of guy that likes to put pressure, and we knew we needed to do that this 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 past week, whether it was going to be, you know, Drew Locke or obviously Teddy Bridgewater was out with an injury. Um, and so the focus, and I, I talk with Eric Allen, you know, legendary corner all the time, and I asked him that, you know, what, what – is the focus if you are struggling in your secondary and giving up points um, the way that the Raiders had. And he's like, it's all about pressure. And so I think that's what Gus is trying. I mean, look, we have a very young defense. We have some great leaders. Casey Hayward was brought in, KJ Wright, Denzel Perryman, um, who just came back last week after missing a couple games, uh, I believe, with an ankle injury. Um, so, you know, it's hard to describe, um, you know, what Gus is thinking or why there is a discrepancy in that. I think it's, it's having to coach guys up who are, you know, coming up from the practice squad. Brandon Faison has been really great for us. Um, and just getting guys sort of on the same page. It's, it's been an interesting year. But honestly, I feel like our defense is one of our bright spots. Max Crosby going to the Pro Bowl. Um, and, and I think it's just sort of getting everybody, all the guys young and veteran kind of on the same page 
Um, and, you know, that hasn't been easy, Gus Bradley. This is his first year with us as a defensive coordinator. Obviously very familiar with the AFC West in that he's coming from the Chargers. Um, but I think it's just a matter of kind of getting everybody sort of on the same page. And, yes, it's always going to be a bad matchup when you go against Pat Mahomes. You know, he's always <laughs> going to make your stats struggle. The guy is on fire as of late. Um, so, you know, we're just in a tough division and we've got Justin Herbert to contend with, obviously Bridgewater's out, but you know, you always kind of have to be wary of going up against, you know, that high octane offense in the Kansas city Chiefs. For sure. That's Aaron Coscarelli. Follow her on Twitter at Aaron Coscarelli. That's E-R-I-N-C-O-S-C-A-R-E-L-L-I. Aaron, you lost the face of the franchise when John Gruden walked out the door several months ago. And I want to talk about the transition. Is this Derek Carr's team? Is this completely his team? Is he the face of this? And what does Raider Nation think about their quarterback and the locker room? Let's not forget, 20 of 25, 201 yards in a victory last week. That's very Carr-like. Well, and he had two turnovers, right, of course. Uh, So, look, you know, I think Raider Nation loves Derek Carr. I think Raider Nation just wants to see wins. And as Carr said, walking off the field last Sunday, he said, you know what? Sometimes it's ugly, but a win is a win. And that's all Raider Nation cares about. Um, That's all the Raiders organization cares about. Derek Carr, this is his team. He carries his team on his back. And you know what? We appreciate when he is accountable. He is the one that takes responsibility when we have the turnovers or when the offense does struggle. And it has. You know, that's what he's had to go through. Derek Carr does not get enough credit, as I've said before, because having to go through what he's gone through – And talk about the inconsistencies. You know, he hasn't always had stability at the coaching position. Now, of course, losing John Gruden, who had a playbook a mile long, you know, or a mile wide, to be able to navigate that with ease the way Carr has and have back-to-back-to-back 4,000 passing yards each and every year, I think only four quarterbacks have been able to do that. I think, you know, that says a lot about what Carr has been able to do and to find quick synchronicity with Deshaun Jackson, with Foster Moreau, you know, that's not easy to do. So I would absolutely say Carr is 100% the face of the franchise and, you know, will continue to be uh, hopefully in the future. Aaron, I want to go off the field just a little bit because you mentioned Max Crosby getting that Pro Bowl nod. And I thought this was just an incredible video where he reflected on being in rehab two years ago, now going to the Pro Bowl, of course. Darren Waller has a very similar similar story, struggling with addiction. He was on our panel for the Kicking the Stigma campaign earlier this year, so I got to really learn about his story. And then you have Carl Nassib, who is such a you know outspoken ambassador for inclusivity, um, you know, and equality across the league. I mean, what is kind of your most inspiring kind of like story of this year? Because it seems like that there are a lot of personalities on this Raiders roster that have just incredible stories who have been kind of great guys to to follow their career and a few of those guys who I know that the rest of the league is rooting for because of what they have stood for? I love this question. And this question I'm almost as passionate or more passionate about than football. Because what these guys, you mentioned Darren Waller, you mentioned Max Crosby and what Max has had to go through. You mentioned these guys who have been pretty transparent 
I mean, very transparent about their own stories, about their own struggles. And what I love is I've struggled with my own anxiety. I just lost my own father about a month ago and had to really decide whether or not I felt good enough or comfortable enough to even come back to work. And when you see faces of people like Darren Waller, Max Crosby, uh, you guys with the Colts, I am so passionate about what you guys are doing over there in Indy with kicking a stigma. I cannot tell you how inspiring it is for people like me who struggle with that same kind of thing. And when you see a face, a familiar face, a face you look up to, and they say they struggle with it too, you feel less alone. And I cannot tell you how much better it made me feel to be in, like you said, inclusivity with Carl Nassib. We want representation. I want to see that someone else is okay and they've gone through the things that I am going through now, right? I struggle with anxiety, panic attacks, you know, all of those things like we Mm -hmm. don't talk enough about because like in some way, maybe we feel like shameful about it. So I am so proud of Max, of Darren, of Alec Ingold, of all of these Carl Nassib, all these guys that are on our team in our locker room, continuing to share the message of it's okay to be you and inclusivity is important to us. So, you know, like that makes me so honored to be a part of Raiders organization because it just makes me feel like I'm, I'm going to be okay and I'm accepted. And I think that having those kinds of conversations, I'm so glad that the NFL is more open to discussing that kind of stuff because it's just real life, real world conversations. And and I tip my cap off to you guys because kicking the stigma is like right there. It's right. right there talking about the hard stuff that people don't want to talk about. And Aaron, we take our caps off to you. Our condolences and our thoughts and our prayers are with you. Um, you just you know, mm. openly told us about losing your father. I understand how hard that is. And uh, the kicking the stigma and everything that the, that the Raiders are doing as far as being outspoken in this thing, just like you talked about. I think you're in the right – I think you're working for the right club, Aaron, to be honest with you. And I know one thing. Mm. I, know, uh, I, know you're, I know your pops is proud of his – he's proud of his daughter, Aaron. Wow. Thank you so much. It, means, it really means a lot. And, you know, yeah, I lost him a month ago, and he's so much of why – you know, he reminds me of John Madden, my dad, oh. because he was a larger-than-life person bob was his name so thank you guys you know I, I i appreciate it and i love that we can have these kinds of conversations and talk about it and hopefully make other people feel feel better about you know if they're struggling with something absolutely and aaron i didn't tell you know gorman and, and jj ahead of time but we're on a big group text aaron and i are with a lot of other fellow reporters across the nfl and so aaron was you know sharing some memories and sent us just like the sweetest video oh. of her dad so it was it was That's so nice just yeah. to kind of see a glimpse into that special relationship that you guys had and just to echo what gorman said certainly sending our condolences and sending you big hugs to vegas this weekend in particular you know mm. reflecting on of course those many many memories that you had with your dad and I'm so glad that you did get to spend some extra time you know with your family and all of that over the last few weeks because the holidays in particular yeah. are always a very difficult time and a lot of those you know things that you're struggling with can really you know be amplified of course in this season and dealing with all of the grief and all of those things so much love to you my friend oh thank you guys I mean honestly it was an honor to be able to be on with you and um I, I love that women's group text and you know, it's 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 just it's fun to be able to talk football, but then also kind of 
really connect with people. So thank you guys. It's an honor to be able to chat with you today. And I was going to go into a question about the next head coach of the of the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't give a rip. I don't give a flip <laughs> at this point. I'm not asking that question. I appreciate you being so honest and open and giving us your heartfelt feelings on uh, you know what we talked about. A little bit of football, a lot of life and death that's going around us right now. So again, I, I, I can't thank you enough, Aaron, for being so transparent for us and talking about things that affect you and obviously uh, losing a family member like that. Our hearts, our thoughts, our, our prayers are with you, and uh, this isn't the last of us talking with you, Aaron. Well, thank you, guys. I, it means a lot, and like I said, it's an honor, and we've got a really cool, fun football game coming up this week, so may the best team win. Yeah, that's right? right. That's right. Hope to see you. <laughs> Hope to see you this weekend. Aaron Coscarelli, follow her on Twitter, at Aaron Coscarelli. She is with Raider Nation, a TV host. She covers the team, and uh, like I said, they got one of the best in the business. That'll do it, folks. This is Aww. what we call our Colts official podcast, presented by WinBet, proud sportsbook partner of the Indianapolis Colts. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. For J.J. Stankovitz, for the great Lara Overton, and again, thank you, Joe Wrights and Miss Aaron Coscarelli. A great chat up with you guys. I appreciate the help. We do it week in and week out. Let's keep this thing marching towards the playoffs, Colts Nation. We'll talk to you soon.